Welcome to this week's episode of BusinessWise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. You know, as most of you are aware, if you've been listening to this series, uh, the principles Mr. Hubbard present in the Hubbard Management System are based on a very, very deep understanding of life. Life in the mind was uh, Mr. Hubbard's initial line of research, after all, and his research and his developments in the subject of administration grew out of a need he discovered for a sophisticated and complete system of management, which would see to the continued survival and expansion of the subjects that he founded. So now and then we can study management principles uh, from him that we can very easily transpose over into life and livingness in general. And the guidelines we're about to present in this episode uh, are some of these, some very, very, very powerful ones, as you will see. You know, the Effective Management Association, the chapters of... uh, of wise members around the country, we use our motto as working and living as an art form because LRH describes that the way you live your life can be an art form. And so, I don't know, I think that these few simple guidelines from Mr. Hubbard as covered in one of his articles on administration, if carefully adopted, can certainly set you up not just for success in business, but success in life. So I'm kind of looking forward to covering this with you. Before I get into it, though, we're going to cover a term that we revisit often in these uh, episodes, but because every episode is intended to stand on its own, I'm going to define it for you, and that's the word dynamics. Mr. Hubbard Quote, a dynamic is a surge of energy within a person which is seeking to promote the survival of something. So it's an urge to survive. When you see people taking action to make sure that their children are well provided for, that they go to the right schools, that's a dynamic. When you see them working out in the morning uh, to stay in shape, that's a dynamic. When they're uh, taking care of their significant other in being romantic with them, that is the result of a surge of energy within a person which is seeking to promote the survival of something. And we call those the dynamics. And these, he goes on to say, these are motives or motivations. The eight dynamics, there's actually eight. We're not going to cover all of them, but I'm just to give you some reality. Let's cover what a few of them are. The first dynamic is a dynamic of self. This is the effort to survive as an individual, to be an individual, it includes one, one's own body and one's own mind. And we have the second dynamic, which Mr. Hubbard describes as creativity. Creativity is making things for the future. And the second dynamic includes any creativity. Second dynamic contains the family unit and the rearing of children, as well as anything that can be categorized as a family activity. Also, incidentally, includes sex as a mechanism to compel future survival. Obviously, you need to have new bodies to for the race to continue. So Mr. Hubbard refers to that as a second dynamic. Third dynamic, the third dynamic is, is group survival. This is the urge to survive through a group of individuals or as a group. 
this is the dynamic that's in play really in your business uh, or any worthwhile team activity. It can also be uh, a subset within the, you know, the various races of, of human beings. They can, a third dynamic can be very large or it can be very small. But um, he says, he gives examples, Mr. Harbour gives examples. A group can be a community, friends, a company, social lodge, a state, a nation, a race, or in short, any group. Then we go on to the fourth dynamic. The fourth dynamic is species. Man's fourth dynamic is the species of mankind, meaning both men and women. Anyway, just wanted to sort of do a quick review of what the dynamics are because that enters into uh, what we're going to cover today. All right, so the article uh, we are taking this data from, this information from, is dated 12 September 1967, and it's called Post Handling of. Remember that a post is an area of responsibility, a position that uh, someone takes, such as, you know, uh, the sales position would be a post. I'm, I have a post as a salesperson or I have a post as an executive over finance or whatever it would be. It would be an area of uh, trust, basically, that someone's been given. So the title is, uh, the original title here is Post Handling Of. He says here, I could detail for hours the admin, remember admin is short for administration, he says, I could detail for hours the admin indicators and admin technology I use, but you've got the bulk of it already in organization policy letters. So this, what he's covering today is just kind of a summary of some key, key points. So he goes on to say this. He says, there are only a few things I might add that would help. Okay, so now we're going to get into some of these few things, okay? And I think this will, if you adopt these in your life, I think you will find it to be a very um, uh, effective and rewarding life indeed. So we're just going to cover these. He says, there are only a few things I might add that would help. One is that I work exclusively on the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I think it's worth defining exclusively because I don't want anybody to have any other idea about this word. Exclusively means uh, solely, only. This is from uh, dictionary.com. In a manner limited to what is designated. Uh, here's another definition. In a way that leaves out or shuts out all others. Here to talk with us exclusively in the studio this morning is the director whose film won four Oscars this year. Exclusive. Leaves out all others. Shuts out all others. This is his first um, guideline that he's giving you here. But what a powerful one. He says... One is that I work exclusively on the, quote, greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics, end quote. Note that he says the greatest number of dynamics, not my dynamics. You hear this now and again. People say, well, you know, I'm just doing what I think is the greatest good for my dynamics. That's not the equation. It's the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. That's all dynamics. And sometimes we engage in things that can be destructive, uh, of course, um, almost any action is going to have a price to pay on one or more dynamics. It may enhance several. It may harm a few. But it, what is the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics? 
this is the way Mr. Hubbard would operate. This was his number one guideline. I work exclusively on that basis. That's what he's saying here. I'm not saying I personally always work on that basis. I try to. But you have to evaluate the circumstances according to the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, there's a price to pay on my personal or, or say, I don't want to talk about myself particularly here, but just you make a decision that's going to perhaps harm your first dynamic. You have to leave your, maybe you have to leave your family uh, to work on an oil rig or something like that. So you can make sure that there's a, you know, we make enough money so that we can pay for all the kids' school and make sure that we get the mortgage paid and caught up on some debt and so forth. This is a, a decision that a, a father might make that is uh, damaging perhaps to his first and second dynamic to some extent, but also benefits the greater dynamics in terms of, okay, their future as, uh, you know, their education, their well-being, the fact that we can keep our house. We all make these adjudications, but uh, sometimes these adjudications also have to influence higher dynamics. Like, well, how is this going to influence mankind? Can I really disregard what is happening in the community right now or what's happening in the media right now or what's happening uh, politically in the country right now or what's happening with my fellows in terms of uh, how they're surviving? Because... Uh, uh, not to be corny, but no man is an island. And, uh, you know, we all interact and we all have these relationships that are not very hard to draw out. And uh, sometimes you have to operate, you got to think with those higher dynamics as well. Like, how is this influencing mankind? And this is an example that Mr. Hubbard said so beautifully in his life. I never met Mr. Hubbard, but I certainly have read a tremendous amount of his works and uh, listened to many, many, many lectures. And I feel I have a pretty good uh, grasp of how he lived his life. And uh, one thing that always astounds me is that there was almost nothing that he would engage in that didn't somehow benefit others at the same time. You know, for instance, his study of photography, uh, he enjoyed photography and he was an extraordinary photographer. But his whole engagement with photography was partly to develop a study technology that could be used to study anything, any subject, uh, including management or administration. Uh, almost everything he did, all the fiction he wrote, everything had uh, greater purposes. You know, this is how he, he wrote a tremendous amount of fiction. It's how he supported his research into uh, the human mind. So take his example and try and emulate that. But here he's telling you, he says... One is that I work exclusively on the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. So if we respect Mr. Hubbard and his words and his teachings, maybe we should try and work exclusively on the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. This is one of the things that he he's adding as a key guideline or principle. He goes on to say this, I believe that to command is to serve and only gives one the right to serve, end quote. Well, I think a lot of folks have this misunderstanding that command is to be served. For the king. And I've observed it, and people who operate on that basis uh, often don't last long. They don't build up a very good loyalty amongst their people. 
their command often contracts or basically goes nowhere, or it's kind of a hollow thing where people are kind of begrudgingly operating uh, with that. But you couldn't say that they're really commanding uh, a growing, thriving, alive team or organization. Why they may have this wrong, because to command is to serve. You are serving that group and that organization. Don't ever forget that. You know, it's like, I think elsewhere, Mr. Harvard says, you know, the only underprivileged posts there are, are posts of leadership. I probably do a podcast on that sometime. It's pretty stressful. There's a lot of responsibility, but, you know, we do it or people do it so that they can see to the improvement of their fellows. Again, you know, going back to that first guideline, I work exclusively on the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics. So then here's the second guideline again. I believe that to command is to serve and only gives one the right to serve. Then he gives this next one. I have to be, above all things, effective and cannot fall short of being effective or explain ineffectiveness away. I wish we would all make a habit of following this. And quit making excuses for not being effective and just plain be effective. You know, there, there is no profit in being the victim of something. You know, there's only profit in assuming the status of cause and knowing that you are effective and working hard to become more and more effective this is, I think, um, an incredible, uh, simple, but powerful guideline. I have to be, above all things, effective and cannot fall short of being effective or explain ineffectiveness away. Here's the next one. I never compromise with a situation to be agreeable. What level of integrity does that take? Uh, you, you don't compromise with anybody. You say, well, look, you know, I think you ought to do it this way or that way. And, uh, you know, and I'm your boss and, I'm, you know, I, I, your life is in my balance and so on and so on, whatever. Uh, to say, no, I don't agree. And uh, respectfully, this is not how I'm going to go about this because um, I'm not going to compromise just to be with a situation, just to be agreeable. Um, doesn't mean you have to go around being cantankerous all the time, but you know, uh, you see the way something should be then uh, don't compromise on it. And the next one, he says in handling something, I figure out if I want to play that game or not. And if I don't, I won't. And if I don't, I will do anything needful to disconnect from it. And if I do, I will do anything I can to win it. This is such a powerful guideline, you know, just choose a path with heart. The American Indian used to say, you know, like, okay, that's my path. I'm going to take it with heart. I am going to go down that road. I'm going to do everything I can to win it. There's no prevarication. There's no waffling around. There's no, I'm doing this or I'm not doing this. And, you know, I watch people agonizing over these sorts of uh, decisions, but there's no point in it, you know. Choose a course of action. Decide whether you're going to play that game or not. And if you do, then by George, play it to win it. If you don't, and look, I'm not playing it, then you do everything you can to disconnect from it. Don't, don't again, uh, try to be agreeable. No one's being served in that scenario. So another terrific guideline. And then he gives you this one, 
And he says, there is at least one, however, that is wildly out in many executives, and that is how I handle other posts. My entire concentration is to put the person on a given post that possibly can handle it and then let him or her get on with it. The difference is this. Others put a person on a post and then hammer and pound him with orders as to how to handle it. If the appointee gets in trouble, others give him streams of orders and directions. I don't. If a person has been trusted with a post, I also trust him to handle it. If he or she obviously can't, I find another person who possibly can. I give a person on a post a lot of chances. I know posts are hard to handle, but if the statistic goes down and down and stays down and no admin or tech advice has been of any avail, I don't hammer away with streams of orders. I just find another person. This, I know, is a greater plus and minus than people easily tolerate. The plus is that I extend complete trust to an appointee. The minus is that if the stat is down and won't come up, I find another person. There's no in-between streams of directions or nagging. This is a very interesting approach, and I see it violated continually with the members. Now, look, at if you do nothing to train and hat your team or your employees, then you are in for a long slog applying this datum. But if you have a standard pattern of training and hatting for your employees, and they are engaged, and they are not uh, improving the statistic or getting their products or performing their functions, find somebody else, you know, get them replaced. They, they, you know, they have the training, you've given them advice, you've given them this, you've given them that, and uh, they're not producing, just realize you're better off without them. Now, uh, one of the common refrains I hear today uh, from the members is, you know, people aren't working, you know, they're, it's easier for them to stay home and they make more money staying home. Yeah, you know what, guys, if you want to agree to that, sure. But I can tell you this, I have met in my career, and I'm fortunate, many, many upstat, productive people who just don't think it's so cool to sit around and do nothing. And they are looking for you. They're looking for a group where they can be granted this sort of beingness where they're given a post and allowed to get on with it and allowed to demonstrate their creativity and they're treated with respect and they, uh, they, you know, those in command are commanding to serve and operating on the greatest good for the greatest number of dynamics and, uh, you know, not compromising with their own integrity and so forth. There are people out there that are looking for you, for, for an, a group or an organization like that, and never think otherwise. Now, maybe they're a bit scarcer now than they used to be. I mean, God knows there's certainly been a, a prevalent decay in society today uh, in, in uh in beings, but, you know, just through education and so forth. But there are a lot of great people out there and uh, don't get the, the way you won't find them is by hanging on to the guys who uh, are just not making it. And they're, and they're just demonstrating their uh, lack of willingness and their lack of competence and their lack of ability to learn and willingness to pitch in. Uh, you keep your group with people like that because they're scarce and you can't find anybody else. Well, trust me, you will never find somebody else. Uh, apply this policy of Mr. Hubbard's guideline and you will have a much happier, more productive group and scene and life. Okay. He says, also, after a time, I grant that people can change and give a removed person another chance. I don't consider they will be bad forever. 
When I handle a situation that is bad, I handle it according to the greatest good for the majority of dynamics. Then when it is handled, I usually try to pick up individuals who have had to be shot in the handling. I don't forget them. You will see me handle situations ruthlessly and bring it all off. And then you may not see that I try afterwards to patch up whoever had to be shot. These are strong words, but you've got to remember, these are the words of a captain of submarine chasing corvettes uh, during the Second World War. You know, you're talking about life and death situations. You're talking about a master mariner, any tonnage ship, any ocean. You can imagine the kinds of things where Mr. Hubbard had to step in and handle things and quote unquote people get shot, etc. Of course, not factually, but um, but he always would come around and after the situation, the danger was passed, see what he could do to patch people up. He says, you will see me handle situations ruthlessly and bring it all off. And then you may not see that I try afterwards to patch up whoever had to be shot. People also try to teach me that it is useless to try to salvage a gone dog, a low stat failure who had his chance. I refuse to learn it. I still try. I love that. It's, it's, it's hard not to be emotional when you read something like that from Mr. Hubbard. He was a fearless leader. And, uh, and uh, of course, uh, administrator, but a peerless leader. And these are some of the guidelines that he has offered us here in uh, conducting our own organizations and, in actual fact, our own lives. Hope this is, uh, has been useful. These few additional points that Mr. Hubbard makes in this powerful article on how to conduct oneself and some guidelines for handling a position or a post, handling other people's positions or posts, handling your own life. Uh, if you enjoyed today's episode, please uh, make a comment or give us a like or write me at info at wiseeastus.org. I'm always interested in hearing from you. Uh, you know, every now and again, I'll be talking to a member and they'll say, oh, by the way, you know, I just want to tell you how incredible those podcasts are. I enjoy hearing those comments, but I, I, I love it even more if I have them uh, in an email or on a comment so that I can share them with others. Uh, and I can also show them to uh, the person who edits uh, and makes me sound decent and puts in the sound effects and so forth. We're a team here. And... Uh, my deputy also, who uh, puts up with all this um, craziness. So uh, please do write us your comments and uh, wins. All right. And any questions, obviously, or if there's any help that you need. Info at wiseeastress.org. Thank you for listening. We'll talk again next week.